In an environment of health disparities amplified by a national pandemic, racial injustice, Providence is committed to improving diversity, equity, and inclusion in our communities, workplaces, schools, and more. What happens now? How do we cope? What's the impact on our overall health and mental wellness? The Culture of Health will focus on what the future of healthcare looks like in today's changing culture. Together, we will discuss how we turn the conversation of culture and healthcare into lasting and meaningful action. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our broadcast. It's great to be with you. Uh, my name is Kenya Beckman. I'm the Regional Chief Philanthropy Officer for Southern California for Providence, and I am the co-lead for our health equity efforts along with Jeremy Elkins, who, when he's not bumming around with me, is leading our um, government programs as the Director of Government Programs for Southern California. Um, through Providence. So we're both excited to be here with two people we admire a lot and are working with very closely on health equity. Um, we're going to be introducing you to Andrew Suggs, who is the founder of Live Chair Health, and to Dr. Stephen Noble, who's the lead medical advisor for Live Chair Health and has been um, with the company from the very beginning. These are two amazing leaders that you need to know about and that we're excited to partner with. Um, on behalf of health equity and behalf of Providence in Southern California. So we're going to get started here um, really soon. If you have any questions, drop those in whatever channel you're watching and we'll try to we'll try to grab those and incorporate them. But um, even though um, we're gonna you're gonna learn a lot of great information today, um, I'd be remiss not to tell you that this is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be, um, a substitute for professional medical advice. It's not meant to diagnose you or give you treatment, just to enjoy and to learn and hopefully um, give you something great to think about. So always seek the advice of your physicians. So with that, we're gonna get started. And I have the honor of, give, of the first question and it's coming to you, Andrew. So Andrew, um, right off the, the top, not maybe not everyone's heard of Life Chair Health. So tell us, about Life Chair Health. Tell us about yourself and what prompted you to start this company and what the company is about. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here and thanks for having me and, and Dr. Noble. So um, Life Chair Health builds networks of clinical and non-clinical resources like barbershops, uh, hair salons, and churches to address minority health disparities by accessing, engaging, and reaching hard to reach uh, populations. Take a wide variety of coordinated health-oriented actions ranging from connecting to health insurance, ensuring that those clients have a primary care provider, and then uh, raising awareness about chronic diseases such as hypertension, which is what this project is, is focused on. And so how do we get started? Um, Live, Chair, Live Chair Health actually was Live Chair, and we began as a scheduling and payment processing platform in 2017. And so as my, uh, the business was growing, we grew our products about 27 states with over 20,000 um, users on the, the platform. And then unfortunately, as our business was growing, my dad's health was declining. And so in 2018, um, it, it, my co-founders and I began to research and not having that healthcare background, either by clinical training or um, academic background, we didn't realize there was such a gaping hole between uh, general the general population and ethnic minorities in terms of health disparities. And so as we were looking at our data, and we were also looking at the problem that the health system had a hard time reaching this population. We said, we basically had an epiphany and we said, why not use the barbershop and hair salons as an access point? And ever since then, um, we haven't looked back. And so that's, that's who we are. That's a little bit of our evolution and um, some of the things that we're focused on. 
That's great. And I think, you know, this being Men's Health Month, it's a perfect opportunity to to kind of highlight this work. And so um, I'm going to follow up on that a little bit, Andrew, and kind of what, um, when you think about this personally and some of the lessons that you've learned, we also got connected through the Black Caregiver Resource Group for Providence. And so there, um, you know, that shift from the model of, you know, scheduling to one really focused on healthcare. Tell us what that was like, because I think there are a lot of lessons there for the caregivers that are listening, for the general public. How does one make that shift? And it seems like a shift that came out of your heart because of your family's experience. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, um, you know, investors always ask me, like, you know, if you haven't so much traction with the with the scheduling and booking business, like, why why make the pivot? And so when you see your father uh, struggling to live. And then you also see how my situation is not an anomaly. It becomes very clear why you would make a pivot. And so we have an amazing opportunity at Live to Your Health to do well by doing good and helping people um, live a more flourishing life. And so, as you can imagine, coming from uh, business management software into healthcare, um, they are diametrically different. There is an entire world that I was not aware of. Um, and so. Uh, I think just surrounding ourselves with people like Dr. Noble to give us their clinical advice, and then also people with deep, deep healthcare um, experience, like some of our advisors, has really helped out. Right, learning things like HIPAA and and referrals and and how contracting work. I mean, it is it it is it is a process like no other. Um, so that's kind of like what some of the things we've learned is that healthcare is very hard. Um, it takes a long time to get people to realize that your solution can be valuable. Um, and so we're really excited to, to make a foray into healthcare and show that additional or untraditional models of access need to be integrated into the healthcare system if we wanna make uh, uh, healthcare more equitable for all. That's great. So let's get even more specific because um, obviously you've shared that you have gotten a foothold in this new business model on the East Coast and um, we're really proud to be your first West Coast partner and want to share a little bit more about the work that we're going to be doing together. And so maybe could you speak to that just very practically? So, you know, what what is it going to look like in Southern California? How does it actually work? Um, I think folks will be really excited to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. So when we recruit um, community liaisons, barbershop salons, and we're also working with some churches, we have training. So training on the Live Your Health program, training on what the, uh, the community liaison's role in this um, uh, program or in our product is. And so after that training is conducted, we set up a kiosk station in the shop so that when clients are um, either being sent to the shop from uh, Providence or we have organic traffic through the shop, clients can uh, participate in our health risk assessment. Once that health risk assessment is completed, we create a customized health journey for each client that starts from ensuring that someone has health insurance, connecting them to a primary care provider. And then periodically we have our staff and in addition to um, some of the barbers and stylists are also trained or will be trained on taking blood pressure, which is a huge focus of this project. Um, and, and once that screening is conducted, clients are able to log their biometrics um, of their blood pressure in the app and then track and get access to content and also nudges um, from our from our technology. And so that's 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 fundamentally like how it works. Obviously there's some more nuts and bolts. Um, like we also have our health coaches that will um, talk with the clients and create a custom plan as well. So we're really excited to, um, you know, what we did on the East Coast is more uh, clinical, um, non-clinical, very clerical member engagement. We're excited to kind of itch more towards that clinical um, alongside Providence Health. And then we're also we'll be rolling out our uh, like holistic hypertension model, which I know Dr. Nova will talk about uh, later in this in this presentation. 
That's great. Yeah, I know we have uh, Jeremy and I and our team is hoping to we're hoping to impact more than 100,000 people with our reduction of hypertension project. And so you will be critical to that and um, building off of the trust of barbershops and salons and churches is absolutely the right way and love how you operationalize that. I'm going to turn it over to my partner in crime, Jeremy Elkins, for the next question. Perfect. Thanks, Kenya. Um, Dr. Noble, we've had the opportunity to hear a little bit about Andrew's uh, journey. Can you tell us a little bit about, little, little bit about your story, um, how you became a physician and how you became connected to Live Chair Health? I uh, appreciate it, Jeremy. And uh, thank you, Kenya and uh, Providence Health for allowing uh, Andrew and I to be here today. It's an honor and a pl uh, pleasure. So my journey to medicine and life to your health is really founded upon faith, family, and culture. So I was blessed with the gift of persistence, just sticking with the job until it was finished, blessed with a beautiful family that really cultivated that passion that I have for the human body. I can remember uh, laying on my uh, grandparents' living room floor, being fascinated with an encyclopedia that showed the human body. And my family just really uh, cultivated that and fostered that. Uh, culture was big to me. And so uh, I was a fan of a different world growing up. And that really uh, that experience, that historically black college or university experience uh, really inspired me to go to Xavier University of Louisiana as it was number one at the time for putting blacks in medical school. Uh, went on to Indiana University for med school and I did my general surgery training in Portland, Oregon. And it was there that I saw uh, a seed was planted. I met my wife who's a hairstylist and saw, seeing the relationship that she has with her clients, that seed of healthcare and hair care together really uh, uh, placed hold. And so Fast forward my career in the Navy, and uh, when I got out of the Navy, I uh, came across Live Chair Health. And as you can tell from meeting Andrew, uh, he's just a remarkable founder, uh, a, a visionary, and just great leadership. And it was really his passion and drive to decrease healthcare disparities in Black men that really uh, compelled me to lend my full weight and effort to, to helping out Live Chair Health. That's great. Thanks for that. Um, can you talk about what health disparities have you seen in your education and, and your work in medicine a little bit? Yeah, so when you think about the healthcare disparities in medicine, I think the biggest one that stands out is just the lack of black males in medicine and how that correlates to, to health in general. Uh, so black males make up about 2% of the uh, medical students in the United States, and that's lower than what we saw in 1978. Uh, and so that directly correlates to uh, uh, outcomes that we see uh, with black men. And as Kenya pointed out, June is Men's Health Awareness Month. And so when we look at prostate cancer, we, we find that there's disparities there. 50% uh, of uh, black men are 55% more likely uh, to develop prostate cancer uh, in their life and 55% more likely uh, to die from early disease. So when we look at prostate cancer, cardiovascular disease, lung cancer, we see these great disparities and, and, and that just plays out. And, and a lot of it is tied to some factors that we'll talk about later. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for talking about uh, the, the focus in June. Um, you know, statistics show that um, African-Americans are disproportionately affected by poor, poor health outcomes due to a number of different factors. Um, what tools are built into the Life Chair Health app that can help improve the health of this community? Yeah, so when we look at the healthcare disparities, I think we got to take note of the fact that the reason why the healthcare disparities exist is because of intentional systemic issues, largely due to, uh, due to racism. And so to combat that, uh, those intentional forces that really decrease uh, individuals' ability uh, for equitable health, uh, those things being those what we call the social determinants of health, education, food security, housing security, the neighborhood, uh, economic resources. So we at Live Chair Health, we're just as intentional in, in trying to combat those things. So what we have uh, featured in our app <clears throat> is content, content that is curated 
by uh, the black uh, healthcare professionals that Andrew alluded to earlier, the Brain Trust. We go through and curate this content so that it not only educates the reader, but empowers them and motivates them to move. Because we know that taking action in your healthcare journey is important. The other thing is trust. And so we have uh, tools within uh, how individuals come to life to your health is through the trusted relationship that they have with their barber, their stylist and the church. So that trust is very important in, into what we do. And so what we try to uh, feature on the app are articles that really allow individuals to have a great relationship with their physician, just like they do with their, their stylist or barber. So articles on how do you uh, cultivate that relationship? What are some of the tips to having a, a good visit at the doctor? What are some tips in regards to diet? And then in regards to uh, being able to log your vitals, your blood pressure in the app and being able to log your medications, all those things that such that when you go to the doctor's office, you don't have to bring your whole medicine cabinet or your whole pill bottles. You can just use the app to help you facilitate that visit. So we try to be as intentional as the systemic issues that are out there uh, really causing those disparities. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, so speaking of disparities, um, there are folks in the community who are, are still very worried about getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, what can you share with our listeners who have reservations about receiving the vaccine? Well, I can say that uh, I hear you. Uh, I was one of those providers that uh, initially didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine until it, uh, when it came out. I got the vaccine just recently in April, uh, the two-shot Pfizer vaccine. I wanted to see what how the studies played out in real life. I understood the trial studies and things of that nature, but I wanted to see what those studies look like as individuals started to get the vaccine in the community. The second thing I can say is that we at Live Chair Health hear you. So we've had two crucial conversation webinars. So webinars really talking about the COVID-19 vaccine. In January, we had Dr. Alexa Gaffney, who's a triple board certified infectious disease doctor, internal medicine doctor, pedi uh, pediatrician, who was actually out in Long Island uh, during the height of the pandemic. And she gave great insight into the vaccine. And then in February, we had Dr. Michelle Ogunbele, who's a board certified internal medicine physician and Johns Hopkins Healthcare Disparities Reacher, who also gave great insight onto why individuals should get the, the vaccine. And then I can also say that we got you at Live Cheer Health. So we have partnered with our providers out in Baltimore to actually bring uh, vaccinations to the shop. And so we've vaccinated more than 50 individuals at this point in time, ensuring that they've got the full complement of vaccines in some of the hardest hit places in Baltimore. So we partner with uh, the Maryland Department of Health and other inst uh, other uh, institutions to really provide the vaccine. So I hear you, we hear you, and at Live Cheer Health, we got you. And I, I just want to make one clarification. I think we're up to about like 200 now. So, um, yeah, and about six of them. So just, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, Kenya, I'm going to turn it back yeah. to you. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I've spent some time on the app. I was kind of an app interloper early on where I was like, and it's beautiful. It's such a great user interface. Like, it's fun to use. I know you can track your mindfulness and that that's super important to to both of you as well is to make sure that behavioral health and mental health um, is a part of this. So um, let's dig into a little bit more. I, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people have heard of the barbershop research that happened around 20 years ago, actually out of Los Angeles. Um, and then, you know, we haven't seen a lot since then, although people are excited about it. I think, you know, you're the first to really say we're going to operationalize this into a business and you built on the trust of already proving yourselves through your scheduling. So you know, that theme of trust upon trust upon trust. And now you're pivoting it for the, you know, for the well-being of our communities. So, you know, Andrew, looking to you, I'd love to hear a little bit more about why barbershops and salons as that source of healthcare. Like, I mean, it's, you know, if someone were to 
drop from Mars, it wouldn't be obvious, right? So tell us a little bit more about why that's the right place to really make an impact. And then also, how can a local barbershop out here in California, and I know you'll be here soon, so I'm excited to actually get to hug you and see you in real life. Um, How can a local barbershop become a part of this network? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So why? So the first question, like why barbershops and hair salons? Um, well, when you think about the, the reasons why African-Americans and other ethnic minorities have not engaged the system, it's distrust. That's number one. And then two, you have, uh, I don't think there's, comp, uh, there, there's a culturally sensitive way that um, providers in the health system engages with communities, right? And I think that's for all people, to be honest with you, right? When you have someone that goes to the doctor and is like, just eat more kale, like that's not gonna like encourage anyone, right, with that message. So, um, chair health, no kale is good. I like kale too, by the way. Um, but you got you gotta you gotta encourage people more. You gotta explain the why more than just like what you should be doing. Yeah, explain the why more. And I think the barbershops and hair salon give us a, an amazing opportunity to explain that why from a trusted source. And so, when you when you also think about how many people get as close to your personal space. It's probably only two, like your significant other, your barber, your stylist, and I don't know, maybe your mother, right? A mother or father. And so you build, because of that trust, it allows you to have like deep conversations. And a lot of these relationships uh, are, are long tenure. And so if one, what we first uh, start off by doing when we launch any market is train and get the barbers and the stylists to take care of their health care first. Because if they take care of their health, then they're more willing to be an advocate. So we ensure that they have health insurance, that they have been connected to a primary care provider and that they're getting screened and then also being able to manage those chronic diseases. So then once they're communicating that to the clients, it's just like second nature. Um, so the first thing, the, the first reason why, or the first question why, it's it's because of the trust mm-hmm. and because of the access point. There's not too many venues where there's a huge congregation of people, and no pun intended, because that's definitely what's true at the churches, um, of people in, in one location. And so in terms of reaching uh, more folks, I think it's a, it's a great access point. Um, the, the second question is, I, I, I slipped my mind, the second question- Yeah, how can a barber shop kind of get into the network? How, if, they, if they're interested in kind of employing the technology into their own barbershop, how do they do that? Yeah, so on our website, livechair.co, we actually have a, a tab that says work with us. And if you complete that work with us, you'll be getting contacted by me and some of our other um, field operators uh, that'll get you set up. So one will explain more about the program, um, uh, the incentives that are involved, because speaking to uh, your reason, I'm sorry, speaking to your, your statement around how barbershop and hair salon initiatives have, have been around for 40 years, one of the things that we wanted to do to make sure this is sustained is create a business model and an operational model behind it. Because every medical, almost every medical journal has wrote, uh, written about the, uh, uh, how efficacious that this mm-hmm. model would be in, in driving down health disparities and reducing blood mm-hmm. pressure, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of, you know, once the research is done, someone's off to like their next project and like the the program fades away. And so one of the things that was important to us is the sustainability so that we can fund our supply, our hair professionals, and also incentivize them from a financial standpoint, because they are hair professionals at the end of the day. They're they're entrepreneurs. That's how they make their living. And we're not asking them to do um, a ton of the the heavy lifting. We're asking them to be a, a sound voice and be a trusted voice, and then live chair health through our staff and our technology, we can take the baton and, and finish the race. 
Man, that could be a whole nother podcast because that's pretty exciting because what you're saying is really that, you know, in the past, it doesn't have to be that something that is good for the community is off to the side is the frosting is, you know, kind of waiting on one grant after another. If right. it's proven to make a difference, we should put the, you know, the, the strength of capitalism into it and right. make this available and blow this up. And there's some kind of, you know, judgment that we put on things about wh which venue you know, certain activities are allowed yeah. to exist in. And so what I love about our partnership is, you know, we're the largest provider of healthcare in Southern California and we're nonprofit in our core and our mission and see you as a critical partner for expanding that mission and are supportive of, of this, you know, uh, black owned startup that, you know, HBCU grads, like, you know, all the things. And so we're so excited to be partnering with you. I got to stop. That's not even the end. That feels like the end. It's not the end. So I'm going to stop there and ask you another question, which is related. How can the audience find a live chair barber? Is it also on your website? Yeah. So we currently, we don't have our network of shops. It's interesting that you bring that up because we're building that network of shops as we're onboarded in more shop, uh, states. We get a lot of people asking, hey, I want to go to a live chair barber so they can participate in the program. So we are... Um, actively building out that network of shops in Maryland. Also, we just launched in Greensboro, North Carolina, and then we're launching in California. Um, and so we're, we're excited about that. I did want to mention one other thing on the last question. Um, one of the great things about capitalism and, and utilizing capitalism is the, the earnings and the, the revenue that we make. We're pouring that money back into those same communities. So in terms of giving the barbers and the stylists, you know, extra income by helping their clients look and feel good, like everyone is getting a, a piece of the pot also with the um, with the clients because there are incentives for clients to participate in the program as well, whether it's reducing your blood pressure, ensuring that yeah. you go to a primary care provider. And we have a great currency in, in that of hair services where, hey, get your blood pressure checked, lower your blood pressure. Next time you come in, you might have a reward or discount or a free haircut based on, you know, you hitting some metrics. So utilizing that capital back into the, to, to the, to the ecosystem that we're serving, I think is, is, is advantageous for everyone. And it's, it's beneficial for everyone. That's incentive. Those incentives are a great idea. Uh, Jeremy, you're up next, brother. Perfect. Um, so Dr. Nobi, I, we're getting a little short on time. So I have a, I have a question for you. Um, how can we protect ourselves from having to see you in the OR? What is some practical advice you have for us regarding heart health? Uh, that's a great question, Jeremy. Uh, the the answer is pretty simple. Exercise. So you want to exercise uh, three to five times uh, a week. You want to get that heart rate up. And one of the days of the week, you, you definitely want to try to get some moderate uh, strength training. Uh, the second thing is moderation. I'm not one that believes in a lot of in diets. Uh, I just think that, you know, you can eat what you like in moderation. But don't overindulge in one thing or another. So, you know, uh, wine is fine, but don't overindulge in it. Chocolate is fine. Don't overindulge. Uh, I am adamant about not smoking. Uh, smoking sensation is key to preventing lung cancer. And then the final thing is enjoy life. Life is short. Uh, and, you know, everyone that I see uh, that I see in the, uh, in the hospital, they're not talking about, you know, oh, I should have worked more or I should have did this or I should have did that. They're talking about the time they should have spent with their family, the vacations that they want to do, all those bucket list sort of activities. So uh, exercise, uh, moderation, everything in moderation and, and then uh, enjoying life because uh, life is short. That's great. Coming coming from a large Italian family, I, I appreciate the call out to wine specifically. That's very important. I, I like that. Um, would you describe for us uh, Live Chair Health 10 years from now? What do you hope the community will be doing then? Or I'm sorry, the company will be doing then? 
Wow, that's a, that's a great question. So I think that uh, 10 years from now, um, I would suspect that Live Chair Health looks and feels like uh, Shuri's Lab in Black Panther, uh, in which uh, health is, uh, is sexy, it's innovative, it's, it, and it's seamlessly tied into everything that we do on a day to day basis. And it's perceived as something that's cool and positive to be healthy, uh, because I, I do believe that health is wealth. Uh, I see that um, being able to collect data at the live chair health barbershops and, be, and, and being able to use that zip code data to give personalized community care uh, right there. Because what we're finding in Baltimore, Maryland is going to be dramatically different in Los Angeles and the greater Los Angeles area. So getting that zip code specific data to, to impact health is very key. And I think that partnering, partnering with local governments is, is and other uh, institutions is also key. But at the end of the day, I think that live chair health, uh, my hope and prayer is that it's going to be ubiquitous with health uh, and, and health that is seamless with everyday life. That's great. So we only have just we have a couple of minutes it's gone by so fast. But, um, you know, Andrew, kind of reflecting back on and I know you're kind of right at the, you know, the middle of the beginning, if you will. And that's what's so neat is we're exposing people to a company as it's, you know, you're still you're still yeah. growing in that growing stage. But I mean, man, I would love to hear just a little bit about what you've learned about health, personal relationships and just this journey um, as you've launched Live Chair Health. Um. Well, it takes a team and I don't, I, I don't want to say like common parlance stuff, but like it's true. It, it takes a team, especially um, given the complexity of healthcare. Um, so th there's one thing of being a business person, right? There's another thing of being a uh, healthcare person, right? And, and it's just two completely different worlds. So um, I've been able to lean on and get my arms lifted up by my, my advisory group. Um, the, the Brain Trust has been extremely helpful for helping us understand um, like some of the clinical aspects. Um, and then also other learnings. Uh, I think patience, right? Uh, to your point, Kenya, we are still like we're not Google. We're not, you know, this twenty-year-old, you know, company or twenty-five-year-old company that's been around and like well-known well name and the machine just it humps. We're a startup, um, but we have some bumps and bruises. But every day, the team wakes up and knows like what we're aiming for, what we're building. And so, a lot of times, when I'm in these investor conversations, they can't, they can't, like they can't box us in. Right. They, they don't have a reference. Oh, you're not X for Y. It's like, yeah, but I'm building the next Google. So Google <laughs> 25 years ago, search What's search. We have Wikipedia. We have, you know, we go to the library and look at books. Right. And so that's what, when you're building something transformational. It takes time. I don't have all the answers. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have infinite yeah. wisdom. But the, what I do know is I'm relentless, my team is relentless, and we have a passion to reduce health disparities and make healthcare more equitable for all. And if we just keep that at the forefront in our, in our North Star, or as our North Star, while also, I don't know if business people are looking, looking at the data and the numbers and make sure we hit our KPIs, um, uh, we're gonna achieve incredible things. Well, I think that's, I mean, it's great reflection. And, you know, I think from um, Providence's perspective, what's really exciting about about working with you is that, you know, the relationship started from a relationship, right? Started from a, a caregiver, an employee who trusted us enough to extend the relationship to you. And then you, you know, and we had these great conversations. So the theme for all of this is trust. It's trust in the healthcare provider. It's trust in your barbershop or salon. It's trust in the app. And, you know, all of these things and all of health equity we know is fundamentally comes down to trust. And so, 
um, you are doing a tremendous job of, at really helping turn operationalizing that trust into better healthcare outcomes. And spending time with you today has been such a joy. Um, Jeremy, always wonderful to be with you um, as we work together on this health equity journey. And we have a couple of questions in the Q&A that I don't think we'll be able to get to today, but we can follow up on. Um, really great, great questions around data, security. It will be, it is around extending into high schools. Sure, why not? Let's do it. And then also to reinforce that Life Chair, though our project is focused on reducing hypertension in the black communities in Los Angeles, they have a vision that is, you know, very big and, you know, for all communities right. and not just hypertension, really extending far into chronic diseases and other conditions that affect our communities, wherever the health disparities um, may be. So I'll land it there. I want to thank everyone for being with us today and um, take care, be well, and thank you, Live Chair team. Thank you. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us, everyone. Bye-bye.